This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Today we're moving on to letter number 26 on old age and death, uh, two subjects that Seneca loves to discuss. And, and I guess this is because Seneca was really dealing with these sorts of questions at this time in his life while he was writing these letters. You know, the, the notes in this book say that Seneca would have been around 65 or 66. Uh, and, and so, you know, he's actually doing uh, really, really, really well uh, in terms of his life uh, age um, compared to the rest of the Roman Empire. I believe that the average life expectancy uh, at birth uh, for somebody uh, being born into the Roman Empire was uh, around 25 years old. Uh, of course, they're always fighting wars. You know, you might go off to war, you might get some sort of disease, you know. Uh, it, it was not it was not an easy time to actually grow that old. And uh, of course, Seneca being in the higher echelons of society uh, managed to make it there. And so in this letter, he's kind of talking about how he's really getting quite frail, but his mind uh, has not yet uh, uh, gone in the same direction as his body. And so I'm probably going to read the first three verses of this letter today. And, uh, you know, this is, this is really more of a uh, call to better wisdom when I uh, grow to Seneca's age uh, myself, if I manage to get there. Some of you may be around that age at the moment, some of you may be a lot older, and you're kind of thinking about these same questions, you know, having wisdom in older age. I want you to, no matter how old you are, uh, be listening to how Seneca talks about uh, this kind of interaction between age and wisdom, uh, being closer to death, uh, you know, can really give us some strength to think about, uh, well, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, this great quote from Jim Rohn, where he said, uh, you know, towards the end of your life, let let death find you climbing up a new mountain, not falling down an old one. You know, I thought that's a great quote, and that sort of, to me, represents what Seneca is getting at in this letter. So, I'll read this, and uh, I hope that it gives you some uh, some wisdom, and we'll discuss what we can take away from it. All right, so he says, quote, I was just lately telling you that I was in sight of old age. I'm now afraid that I have left old age behind me, for some other word would now apply to my years, or at any rate, to my body, since old age means a time of life that is weary rather than crushed. You may rate me in the worn-out class of those who are nearing the end. Nevertheless, I offer thanks to myself, with you as witness, for I feel that age has done no damage to my mind, though I feel its effects on my constitution. Only my vices and the outward aids to these vices have reached senility. My mind is strong and rejoices that it has but slight connection with the body. It has laid aside the greater part of its load. It is alert. It takes issue with me on the subject of old age. It declares that old age is its time of bloom. Let me take it at its word, and let it make the most of the advantages it possesses. The mind bids me do some thinking, and consider how much of this piece of spirit and moderation of character I owe to wisdom, and how much to my time of life. 
It bids me to distinguish carefully what I cannot do and what I do not want to do. For why should one complain or regard it as a disadvantage if powers which ought to come to an end have failed? End quote. Okay, so hopefully you can see here why I gave that quote from Jim Rohn about, you know, let death find you climbing up a new hill, not sliding down an old one. That's that's what Seneca's doing here, you know. He's getting towards the end of his life, but nonetheless, he's still, you know, even though his body he describes as crushed, right? Uh, nonetheless, in his mind, he still feels strong and he is still writing these letters, uh, trying to figure out some of these answers, trying to give his best to life uh, so that he can leave something of value behind. And one thing that I really want you to focus on when listening to or reading uh, things like this from Seneca is just the way that he talks about the communication that he has with his mind. Uh, You know, it's almost as if he has personified the mind um, and it's now a person that he is in constant communion with and learning from, right? And the example that I'd give here is he says that my mind is strong and rejoices that it has but slight connection with the body. It has laid aside the greater part of its load. It is alert, it takes issue with me on the subject of old age. It declares that old age is a time of bloom. It's time of bloom. You know, so he's kind of talking as if, uh, you know, his mind is kind of sitting up there uh, talking to him and saying, hey, this is my time of bloom. And he's kind of having that communication. And I think that there's something really beautiful about that because we've discussed before that, I, you know, I believe that one of the great purposes of philosophy is actually to get us to go on that exact process process to to understand that there is kind of the mind there that we can commune with and we can take counsel in you know in the same way that uh, you know I believe it was yeah it was it was Jordan Peterson who said that you know if you sit beside your bed and you ask yourself uh, you know what is it that I'm doing in my life that is absolutely going to lead to catastrophic results for me in the future you'll immediately start getting answers you'll you know your mind will start pointing out you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this you know and and often we don't realize that there's a very strange element to that conversation, right? It's like you can actually ask something and you can receive something in return. And hey, I don't know about you, but I have yet to find the source of that voice within my mind that actually answers when I ask questions. Uh, I do know uh, that we can develop that source, right? We can develop that voice so that it gives us greater wisdom in each moment of our lives. Uh, but nonetheless, finding the, uh, I guess, the root, the root or the seed um, of of uh, that communication is is very difficult. But you see here in this letter that Seneca is really he's got a relationship with his mind where he's saying, look, I'm getting towards the end of my life. I can see that my body is kind of melting away, uh, but nonetheless, the mind is strong. And hey, maybe all this sounds a little bit woo-woo. Maybe I'm actually uh, going insane. So just (laughs) email me if you think that that's the case. So anyway, there's a beautiful couple of lines here that I want to read again. He says uh, that his mind declares that old age is its time of bloom. He says, let me take it at its word and let me make the most of the advantages it possesses. The mind bids me do some thinking and consider how much of this piece of spirit and moderation of character I owe to wisdom and how much to my time of life. So I think that that's really beautiful, right? So he's pointing out that the the mind comes into bloom in uh, in the later stages of life. And of course, that's because you've had all of your life to, uh, you know, to be learning wisdom, right? 
right? To be taking in the gifts of your culture, but also it's a time of life where you've had experience, right? And so your mind has uh, real experience, real learning, uh, you know, coming together with wisdom. And of course, Seneca always says, you know, like you don't need to uh, wait till you're older to have wisdom. Wisdom is something that is available to uh, whoever wishes to seek it, right? Uh, but nonetheless, there is something special about that old age, that that time of later life, which uh, and, you know I have not yet experienced, uh, and and maybe never will. But nonetheless, uh, look forward to that time uh, when the mind is coming into bloom. I think that that's a beautiful way to put it. And of course, he says that he wants to take advantage of this time when his mind is coming into bloom uh, and that he wants to understand, you know, how much of this is uh, his seeking of wisdom and how much of this is just the period of life that he's in. Uh, and, and this is a really beautiful thing to think about as well, because, you know, this idea of the mind coming into bloom in later life, you might, you might remember I, uh, I kind of shared this idea from Carl Jung in a previous episode. You know, Jung believed that uh, you could look at your life as if it were a day. And, uh, you know, so the sun rises, you're born, uh, and it keeps on getting warmer and warmer and warmer uh, until the middle of the day, right? That might be the middle of your life. And so that's kind of the time when you're picking up energy, you're getting a, you know, you've got a lot of energy and a lot of ambition to go out there and, you know, do so much in the world. And so that's the time for going out there and setting up your career for your life. And it's the time for going up there and setting up your family, you know, getting into relationships and you've got all this energy. But then at midday in your life, the middle part of your life, that's when it starts to transition. And now you're starting to really, uh, you know, head on that decline, getting weaker and weaker and weaker until that moment where the sun goes down and you die. Uh, And so this is actually the period of your life when you want to be focusing on the spiritual matters or the the matters of understanding, uh, you know, deeper wisdom about what it means that you die, Uh, you know, understanding how to deal with the fact that you're now heading towards that moment when you will die. So again, you know, Seneca is asking this question of how much of this feeling that I have right now of my my mind coming into bloom is just the fact that I'm getting old. How much of it is the work that I've done in my life uh, to seek this kind of wisdom? Okay, so there's one final note that I want to make here, and it has to do with the actual description that Seneca gives of the state that he's currently in, which is uh, peace of spirit and moderation of character. And what I thought is this this relates, at least in part, I believe, to the way that uh, Epictetus actually described the goal of philosophy, which was inner tranquility and outer effectiveness. And I really don't know if there's a better aim to pursue in life than that inner tranquility and outer effectiveness, right? Uh, it's a really beautiful way of looking at this. And, and so Seneca describes his current state as he's old, as, you know, uh, the the peace of the spirit and moderation of character, you know, and, and I don't know if there's any sort of link here, but, you know, it seems to me like they put the inner world first, you know, that peace of the spirit or that inner tranquility, you know, because that leads to everything else in our lives. You know, if you will work on your inner world, uh, meaning if you will dive into your mind and do the very important work of searching your own soul, right, searching your own mind and uh, and developing what is within you, then a natural consequence with that of that will be an outpouring of that inner tranquility or that peace of the spirit, whether that turns into, as Seneca says here, that moderation of the character, or as Epictetus puts it, uh, the uh, outer effectiveness. 
And so I don't want to draw connections where there are none. I don't want to make unnecessary connections here, but I do still think that it's important to have a think about the fact that so much of what the Stoics are telling us to do is to go within and to fix the world within us first so that a natural outpouring will come into our outer worlds. And 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 that's I think that's a beautiful way of thinking about our role, or sorry, our, our journey in philosophy. And so I think I'm going to leave it there and we'll finish off the uh, the rest of the letter in the next couple of episodes. Uh, but nonetheless, I really hope that you got a few things out of this episode and these passages today. Whether you're young or whether you're old, whether you're new to philosophy or whether you've been studying it for a long time, we can all take a look at this example from Seneca and say, do we measure up against uh, the kind of wisdom that Seneca is giving us here? You know, he's at his deathbed, really. His body is falling apart. Uh, he feels crushed, right? Uh, But nonetheless, uh, he is still very much alive in his mind and still very much wrestling with these issues and 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 really fighting the good fight until the end, uh, fighting the battles in his mind, you know, and, and there's something really beautiful about this idea that the mind blooms, uh, you know, at that final moment. And, and of course, uh, this could just have to do with the fact that uh, to the Stoics, you know, death was the final test. It was that final moment where uh, your wisdom comes uh, to to fruition uh, if you have, in fact, sought wisdom in your life, where you can show that death even is not uh, a thing that you're afraid of and is not a thing uh, that is going to take away your ability to maintain a sound character. So anyway, I'm going to leave it there. I hope that this has given you some food for thought, and I'll talk to you next time.